Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. It's a, it's a real pleasure to be able to share with you this morning and um, to share what has been mulling over in my spirit and in my mind for quite a few months. And I'm really excited to be able to share with you today what I believe God has for us as a people. I think it's quite a timely word. We've got a couple of new series starting soon. We've got Momentum next weekend. And I'm hoping that what is packed in these few little pages here is going to do us some real good ahead of what God is about to do among us. So I'd like to speak today uh, with the title Devoted To. Um, I really and genuinely believe that the Word of God is alive and active. Um, I believe that it's breathed out by God himself. I think it's applicable to my life today. I think that it has the final say on all accounts. Um, I believe that it shows me and tells me what I should expect my life to be like and how I can walk in step with God. So when it has things to say to me, I take it quite seriously. I think it's, it's got real power packed into it because God himself is in this book. And there are several moments in this book where God makes certain statements where he kind of says, if this, then this. These kind of if-then statements. For example, in Psalm 37, verse 4, he says, if you delight in God, then he will give you your heart's desires. It's an if-then sort of statement. In Malachi 3, verses 10 to 12, the word says, if you bring your whole tithe into the storehouse, then God will open up the floodgates of heaven and you will be blessed. That's a pretty good if-then promise. In Romans 10 and verse 9, it essentially says, if you believe and confess Christ as the risen Lord, then you will receive eternal life in loving relationship with God. That's a really good if-then promise. In Ephesians 6 and verses 2 to 3, it says, if you honour your father and mother, then it will go well with you and you'll have a long life. There's all of these if-then promises through the word. And as I was reading recently in Acts 2 and the final few verses of that chapter, God spoke to me and said, this is one of those if-then situations. So let's take a look at these verses and see what we're dealing with. This is Acts 2, and it's from verses 41 to 47 in the Holman translation. It's on the screen just behind me. It says, So those who accepted his message, this is just after Peter has preached the gospel, um, all about who Jesus is and what he's done for people. Those who accepted his message were baptised, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. And then fear came over everyone, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had a need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex, and they broke bread from house to house, They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favour with all the people. And every day, the Lord added to them those who were being saved. What an awesome community of people. What an awesome community of of God's people, of the church, full of the Holy Spirit, seeing signs and wonders and, uh, and just awe and reverence of who God is and people saved every day and and mass 
amounts of people being saved. 3,000 people saved. And then thousands later on as well. It's, it's an incredible community. And all of the, the really cool stuff that we see in there, to me, that's like the then part of the if-then statement. I think that God's saying in this passage that this is the kind of community he's called us and empowered us to be a part of. That kind of blew me away when God said that to me. Because the type of thing that's described on that screen, it's immense. The types of things that are happening every day is incredible. And that's the community God's called us to be a part of. He said to me, this can be your expectation and your experience. Like the church in Acts, you can expect and experience revival, corporate reverence of God, signs and wonders, an incredible sense of unity and togetherness among you, tremendous generosity leading to having no needy person among you. That's a big one. No needy person. Gladness and simplicity of heart in the simple things like eating food, favour with, favor with all people and daily salvation and addition. That's the kind of community that's described here. And God says, you can have all this. This is the then part. If, if you will be devoted. If you will be devoted, as I am asking you to be, says God, if you will be devoted in the ways I'm showing you to be, then, Acts 2, 41 to 47. But what does that word devoted mean? I'm sure we've all got some idea in our head of what it means to be devoted, but what does that actual word devoted mean? What's it talking about when it's saying that these people were devoted in the ways that they were? I won't uh, possibly bore you or possibly entertain you with the, the Greek and the Hebrew, but the word, actually, no, I will. The word is <laughs> proskiterio. Sounds more kind of Italian to me, proskiterio. But it's, that's the, the Greek word for devoted there. And what it actually means, it means to adhere to one, be his adherent, be devoted or constant to one, to be steadfastly attentive to, to give unremitting care to a thing, to continue all the time in a place, to persevere and not to faint, to show oneself courageous for, to be in constant readiness for one, to wait on constantly. It's a, it's a really big, strong word, this word devoted. It's the word that's used, just a couple of references here you don't need to turn to, but in Acts 1.14 it says, all these were continually united in prayer. And that continually, that's this word devoted. They were devoted and united in prayer. I really like this one. This is Mark 3, verse 9. It says, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him. And that word ready is this word devoted. This boat that is, is ready for Jesus to step into because the crowds are flocking around him and there's this boat that's devoted, this, this ready. And I love that part of our devotion that we're, we're just ready for whenever Jesus wants to step on the scene, we're ready and we're, we're willing to take him and for him to take us where we want to go. And in Romans 12, verse 12, just as a final reference for that, it's rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, be persistent in prayer. Be persistent, be devoted in prayer. That's what the word devoted means. And sometimes it's interesting to me to trace the words back from Greek to the Hebrew in the Old Testament and see where does it all come from? And sometimes you get quite a few different root words that lead to this word. But on this occasion, you only actually get one word, which is quite helpful because it can give us quite a clear definition of what it means. Is everybody with me with definitions in Hebrews and Greeks? Cool. The Hebrew word, which is the word chazak, 
presuming I've said that right, but probably not. Uh, the word chazak means to strengthen, prevail, harden, be strong, become strong. You get the idea? Be courageous, be firm, be resolute, be sure. It's the word that we remember from our old friend Joshua, where God said to him, be strong and courageous. That word strong is this word chazak, which is the root of this word proskiterio. <laughs> You're welcome. Which means to be devoted. So this big, massive word devoted is packed full of strength and persistence and continuing. And, you know, it's, it's not half-hearted. It's, it's not without sacrifice to be devoted. But you know what? It's certainly not without the potential for much growth and for amazing adventure and for a deep sense of joy. Because while discipline might say, I need to, and, you know, duty might say, well, I ought to, devotion says, you know, I want to. I want to. I want to. I'm devoted. I want to. And so that's what they're talking about here when they're saying that they're devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking bread, and to prayer. These four things, they were devoted to them. They were strongly pursuing them, constantly continuing to be ready, to be sure that they were going after this thing and they were giving all that they had. They were devoted to those things. And if we want to see all of the stuff that we see there, then we have to be devoted too. We have to be devoted to the apostles' teaching. We have to be devoted to fellowship. We have to be devoted to breaking bread. We have to be devoted to prayer. We have to be devoted to those four things if we want to see all of the signs and the wonders and the miracles and the generosity and the no needy and the thousands of people saved in the daily edition and all of those things. We have to be devoted to Jesus Christ. So it's probably helpful if we know what we're actually talking about. If we want to be devoted to these things, what's that all about? What does it mean to be devoted to the apostles' teaching? What did it mean when it was written here? What were they talking about? What was the apostles' teaching? Well, I was thinking about this and I thought, you know, the apostles spent three years going around with Jesus, seeing all of the amazing things that he was doing, hearing all that he taught about. They witnessed the many crowds of people who were healed who were made whole, who had demons cast out of them, who were fed and cared for and loved as this humble servant king, Jesus, outworked his kingdom rule wherever he went. That's what they witnessed. They saw that everything that Jesus said would happen, happened. That included his own life being given as an atoning sacrifice for all these people that he loved so much. That's what they saw. They saw that he was resurrected from the dead. And then they spent 40 days with Jesus as he taught them all about the kingdom of God, as he shed further light on all that it means to be a part of his kingdom, no doubt reminding them of all they had seen and heard as they walked around the towns and the villages, no doubt affirming that the same spirit of God that was in Christ and enabled him to live a completely holy life who motivated him with love and compassion and who filled him with all the dynamic power he needed was now in them, that same spirit and for all the same reasons, to see people saved, to see demons cast out, to see people healed. He no doubt explained to them again 
how all of the Old Testament scriptures, plus his own life on the earth, and plus everything that these 11 and others like them would teach, would all come together to form this beautiful picture that Christ and the church are going to be married together. That Jesus Christ, the King of the kingdom, is going to have a perfect and spotless bride that's going to be made ready for him. He no doubt explained all of these things, that this is what the kingdom of God is about. It's about the church being made ready for Christ, and it's about the rule and reign of Christ being outworked on the earth, and those two things working together beautifully so that the whole world can see all that Jesus is in all of his wonder, in his glory, in his majesty, and all that he's made us to be in his image, becoming more and more like him and more and more ready as this perfect bride. He no doubt explained all of those things. So I think that's probably what the apostles taught. I think that was probably the apostles' teaching, all about the king and his kingdom. And the people, they were just devoted to this teaching. They just couldn't get enough. They were devoted. They saw how King Jesus was this beautiful thread running through the scriptures and they just wanted to follow this thread and pursue him in the word of God and see who he was and all that he was doing and see how can I apply this to my life? How can I get this in my life? I I, I love him so much. I'm devoted to him. I can see him in the word. I can see him in the prophets. I can see him in the Old Testament books. I can see what he's done and what the apostles are telling me and I want to have it in my life. They were so devoted. They were hungry and excited to hear more. And as they did, as they were devoted, they weren't surprised then at the signs and the wonders and the miracles all around them to back up the apostles' teaching about the king and his kingdom. They weren't surprised then that the then followed the if. And I just wanted to give a little uh, story. I've got a few stories. There's four points and there's four stories, so... If you feel like you're possibly nodding off at some point, just remember there's only four stories and four points, and you'll be okay. But the point, the story to go with this point about being devoted to the apostles' teaching. Um, Some time ago, I was just really, I just found myself devoted to the book of Kings, to, to, to reading all about Elijah and Elisha, and all that they were doing, and the amazing things that God was doing through these prophets. And I, I was just so devoted. I loved getting hold of this and reading it and, and applying it and trying to apply it. And then I read this story about how Elijah was basically really hungry, and there was a widow, and she had some food. So he thought, two and two. And he went to this widow and said, look, I'm really hungry. You've got some food. Would you mind if you made me some? And the widow said, well... I've only got this little bit of flour and this little bit of oil and that's enough for one meal for me and my child and then we're going to die. So it's quite a bleak situation. Um, And Elijah said, that's great. Uh, Make me a meal and I will ensure that the oil will never run dry. It's in 1 Kings 17 and in verse 14 it says, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. And I was reading this, and I was so devoted to the word that I I just wanted to see this in my life. And then God said, okay, let's put it into action. So we have a food budget, which is the same each month, and at this time it was the same for quite a few months before. And God said to me, look, I want you to take out less of your food budget this month, 
and set aside the bit that you would normally take out and give that to me. So we had less of the food budget. I said, okay, um, I love food. Um, <laughs> but we said, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll do this. And Rosanna um, very beautifully stewards our food and the buying of the food. I'm very good at the eating of the food and Rosanna prepares it and that's fantastic. But um, at that time we were on kind of a, a bit of a meal plan type situation and Rosanna bought exactly the same food as we would any other month. I, I, I promise you this is true. This sounds ridiculous, but it's absolutely true. We took out a significantly lesser amount. We bought exactly the same food for the whole month and rather than just scraping by with less money, which would have been impossible anyway, because we used the whole food budget, we had loads of money left over. <laughs> We'd taken out less, we bought the same, and we had more left over. It was just like the oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. So I want to encourage you to be devoted to the apostles' teaching, because as we devoted to Jesus in the Word and the Word of God, he wants to enact the then part of the if-then statement. Let's also be devoted to fellowship. Fellowship, oh, there's been some really big words already, but fellowship is a massive word. It's enormous. It's this, it's not in length, it's, it's koinonia is the word. I know that James particularly likes that word. But koinonia is the word for fellowship. And it's so rich in meaning. Uh, just to give you a, a glimpse, it means association, community, communion, joint participation, intercourse, the share which one has in anything or the participation, an intimacy, a gift jointly contributed, a collection, a contribution as exhibiting an embodiment and proof of fellowship. It's this, there's this whole idea of if I'm in fellowship, I've got a, a sense of ownership and I've got a share in it and I've got a responsibility to those I'm in fellowship with and I, I have something, but we all have something together. It's an incredibly invested, loving relationship, fellowship. And when I saw it in the few verses that we had on the screen, I thought, are they, are they devoted to fellowship with one another? Are they devoted to fellowship with God? What's, what's the, the truth of this situation? And God quickly reminded me that obviously it's both. They're devoted to one another, so they're devoted to God. Um, Matthew 22 tells us, Jesus, in response to somebody asking him, what's the greatest commandment, says in Matthew 22, verse 37, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. As we love God, we love one another. They're of equal importance to God. You know, it's not, it's not, if I can say this, it's not right that we love God more than we love one another. Because to love one another is to love God. It's not right that we love one another more than we love God. In quite a stark sense of that, it's not right that we love our spouses more than we love the Lord. You know how much we love our spouses, how much I love my wife, but it's not right that God would not be loved by me as much as that. He wants our love. He wants us to be devoted to him. And it's the same with one another. That's fellowship. Mike referred to sheep and goats a couple of weeks ago when he was giving his Zambia report. I just wanted to, um, to bring them back up again. A bit of an old McDonald's kind of fashion. Had a farm, etc. 
sorry, that was completely irrelevant. But in Matthew 25, there's uh, a bit of talk about sheep and goats and, and about how, well, let's just read it. Matthew 25, verses 34 onwards. Oh, McDonald had a farm, E-I-E-I-O, on that farm with sheep and goats, E-I-E-I-O. No? <laughs> Matthew 25. It says there from verse 34, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we do all of these things? And then in verse 40 it says, and the king will answer them, I assure you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. As we care for and bless and love one another, we do the same for God. I really want to care for, love and bless God. I want to love him. I want to be devoted to him. And you know, that's the, that kind of fellowship where we see in our lives in front of us those types of things described there in Matthew. As we clothe people, take them in, give them something to drink, all of those things. That's the kind of fellowship that leads to having no needy among us. It's the kind of fellowship, if we really grasp it, if we can really get a hold of this is how God sees his covenant with me, and therefore my covenant with, with others has to be the same. If we can really get that, then that's the kind of fellowship that will lead to such generosity, yes. such a, a lack of interest in my own possessions, yes. such, such a, a laying down of all that I have for those around me. Yes. Not that I have lack, but, but there are no needy among us. Yes. If I have a skill that I give it, if I have some money that I give it, if I have a possession, if I have anything, if I have time, if I have a word of knowledge, whatever I have, that I give it to those around me because that fellowship is what God absolutely loves and wants us to be devoted to. And as we do that, I believe that, that the needs that we have among us and around us will decrease massively. If we can really grasp that, if you can really go home and mull this over for yourself and chew on it and ask the Lord about it. I know that he's told me to do certain things just in reading this, in reading these verses from Acts 2. Just in reading those, I've just seen that God's asked me to do certain things and it's changing things and there's less needy because of what we've done. So I just wanted to give you a little story to go with this. There's four points and there's four stories. We've had point two, we're now on story two. So we're about halfway there. Everyone on track? Yeah. Good. Our Sky contract recently came to an end. This is relevant. <laughs> um, and they were going to increase the prices, and uh, I phoned them up and I said, look, Mr. Skyman, um, you're going to increase the prices. They said, that's right. I said, well... Um, his name was Dan, actually. I'm sure he doesn't mind that he's not kept anonymous because none of you know who he is. 
Well, you might do. But. So Dan said, um, yeah, the price is going up, and I understand you probably want to go elsewhere. I said, yeah, I think we do, because I've already looked around. I know we can save money in, in other places. And Dan said, yeah, that's fine. Um, I'll start going through the process for you. And there's all this stuff they have to read out and make sure you've heard it as they cancel your contract. And as he was doing that, something had to load on his screen. And so he had a couple of minutes. And that's always a bit awkward, isn't it? When there's a couple of minutes on the phone call when nothing's really happening and it's kind of, so, how's your day? <laughs> but, uh, but Dan said to me, oh, it's my first day back today. It's my first day back at Sky. Um, I've been off for a while. I had a knee injury while I was, while I was um, I'm an amateur boxer, and I had this knee injury. It's my first day back. Um, and the Holy Spirit just said to me, at that moment, stay with Sky. I thought, God, it's, it's more expensive. <laughs> I've shopped around. Um, the price... <laughs> anyway, we stopped reasoning there because he's, he's, he's always right. And um, so he says, stay with Sky. And I didn't really understand why that was. Um, but he carried on his, his thing. He was going through all the stuff. I said, Dan, this is going to sound really weird, but can I just stop you before you cancel us? Um, I'd like to stay with Sky. I said, uh, I'm a Christian, Dan, and um, I believe that, that God really loves you and that he cares for you. Um, and it's your first day back today, and you've had this injury, and I just want you to have a good first day back. I'm not staying with Sky because of the company. Um, sorry if anyone works for Sky. Um, but the price have increased. But f for you, Dan, I want to stay with Sky. And then it went quiet again, but it wasn't so awkward this time. It went quiet for a few seconds, and he said, um, Mr. Lyon, I, I don't know what to say. Uh, I said, well, neither do I, Dan. <laughs> he, said, um, he said, when I was much younger, he's a similar age to me, he said, when I was much younger, I decided to become a Christian, and I got baptised. But since then, I've not really known anyone who's a Christian, and I've, I've not had people growing up with me who, who are saved, who, who believe the same as I do. And I didn't really know there were many people out there like that. And I realised, in hindsight, that God loves fellowship so much. He loves fellowship between believers so much that he would use me to speak to this random guy, Dan, to tell him that I'm in this with you, Dan, which I did. I said, I'm in this with you, and he talked about a couple of problems that he was having at home, and I said I'd pray for him, and etc., etc. But God loves Dan so much because he loves fellowship from brother to brother so much and brother to sister so much that he'll use any situation. And if we're devoted to fellowship, then I believe that we can see the, the thens that come out of that situation, the things like the togetherness and the unity and having things in common that are in that Acts 2 passage. We can see that outworked in our lives. So let's be devoted to fellowship, shall we? Okay. The third thing that it says they were devoted to is breaking bread. Oh, this is such a good one. <sighs> breaking bread. I'm just going to have a sip of water. They were devoted to breaking bread. Um, the people in Acts were devoted to remembering the Lord's sacrifice and living in the good of it every day. They understood that Jesus Christ had laid down his life and in that process had overcome every obstacle and temptation that we would ever face. He'd done away with every sin. He'd made provision for every sickness. They understood that as he hung there on the cross and as he said, it is finished, it really was. 
all of the influences of those things were finished because Christ rose again victorious, didn't he? He took all of that on himself on the cross. He took it down into the grave and it couldn't hold him down. He rose again to life and he defeated all of those things. And so I think if we can have that in our view when we're breaking bread, if we can have that centrality of Christ in our lives, as we break bread and say, Jesus Christ, all that you've done on the cross and all that you've brought me into in my life, I just remember that now. I thank you for it. I want to live in the good of it. If we can do that, then I think all of the thens that you, that you saw on the screen will be much, less, much more commonplace. You know, breaking bread sets the scene for miracles. In Matthew 14 and 15, there's thousands of hungry people who have been listening to Jesus for a long time. Um, there's 5,000 in Matthew 14. There's 4,000 in Matthew 15. That's 9,000 hungry people, plus a load of wives and a load of children. Sorry, people, I mean men, by the way. Wives are also people. There's, th- there's 9,000 hungry men, plus wives, plus children, and they're all hungry, and Jesus pulls them together on two separate occasions, and he gets the bread that he has to hand, and he breaks it, and the scene is set for miracles. The bread is broken, and there's so much given out that there's an abundance left over. It's a bit like the oil that never runs dry. But his, his, the goodness of all that we can lay hold of because his body was broken for is so abundant. There's never going to be a lack for you in what Christ has done. The victories that he's achieved... The fact that his body was broken for our sin and our sickness, that's never going to run dry. Parts of his body are never going to run out. It's abundant. It's more than sufficient for everything we would ever face. And the people in Acts, they were devoted to this amazing thing of breaking bread. They devoted themselves. It says in verse 46 that that they broke bread from house to house and that it was a really common thing that they did all the time. And again, I read this, and I thought, oh, I want that in my life. I want to be breaking bread all the time because I want to remember all that Christ has achieved and all that I now live in. And I want to see signs and wonders. Call me greedy, but I want to see miracles. I want to see the presence of God in my house and with my neighbors and with my friends. I want to see that. And God, in his graciousness, has given me a couple of stories that I can tell you about that. When Rosanna and I were looking to buy the house which we now live in, uh, Rosanna came to me and said, I think we should break bread every night. I said, that's a great idea. So once we decided this was the house we wanted to go for, because of lots of other things God had said, we decided we were going to break bread every night. And we broke bread and uh, we shared um, uh, summer fruits. That was the wine, summer fruits, squash. And we shared it together, and we did this every night just with uh, the situation that we had in mind and knowing that Christ is victorious because there are quite a few hurdles along the way. Um, It's a very long story, but a good one. Um, And so we broke bread every night, and as part of that process, God said something very, very specific to Rosanna about how much we should sell our house for and which estate agent we should use. And both parts of... um, information that God gave to Rosanna were different to what we had thought. We didn't think to put it on the price that um, God said, and we didn't think to use the estate agents that God said, but that's what God said. So um, 
the guy came around and said, your house is worth this much. And we said, thank you, that's fantastic. We're going to put it on for this much. Um, and we did what God had said. Um, but out of that time of, of breaking bread, we just had such clarity from the voice of God and such an assurance of what the right thing to do was. And it came just out of breaking bread, out of breaking bread and remembering all that Christ had done for us. Um, we had some friends around recently and we decided to, uh, to break bread together just as part of our evening. Um, and we were breaking bread uh, and sharing um, wine on this occasion, sharing the wine together. Um, and in that context, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just came into the atmosphere um, and all four of us were having words for each other. We were having um, advice from God and, and knowledge and words of wisdom. All these sorts of things were happening just as we were breaking bread because, you know, there's power around the table. There's power as we break bread together. And just one more story about breaking bread. Um, a few weeks ago at our worship team um, we had a, a night for the, for the worship leaders. I thought, we'll break bread. We'll break bread as, as worship leaders and um, emerging leaders and things, and, and it'd be great. And so I went to the shop to buy some bread and some wine. Um, and I was in the, the aisle looking at the bread and the wine, and there was a lady behind me and said, excuse me, could you tell me um, how many grams are in the mayonnaise? Um, I said, yeah, yeah, yeah that's fine. Um, so she showed me this, but it was, it was on an angle, and um, she was a, a fairly elderly lady, and I said, it's 350 grams. She said, oh, that's good, because the, the one in the jar, um, it's less grams, but it's more money. That's, that's a good deal, buy the, buy the squeezy one. So she, um, she went around the shop, and she was queuing up, and um, I was behind her in the queue with my bread and my wine, and she said, you've done your good deed for the day, why don't you go ahead of me? I said, oh... Thanks. So I went ahead of her, um, and it was just after Arna had been with us, and he was talking about just giving the Holy Spirit something to work with. I thought, oh, I could be really brave here, and I could, I could, I could say something. Um, you know, she's said about good deeds. That's probably a, a routine. Um, but I stood there, and I waited in the queue, um, and God in his graciousness um, got her talking to me. It turned out she was quite chatty. Um, but she, she started talking to me, and she's telling me, um, about her situation where she lives, which is a bit difficult, and um, et cetera, et cetera. And she'd had some, some troubles with, with marriage and things, and by this time, there was a massive queue, and she hadn't put anything through the counter. Um, so I said, shall I help you put your items through? And you just carry on telling me about what's been going on. So oh, that'd be great. So I put her things through, popped them in the bag. I said, let me walk you out to the car park. So I came out to the car park with her with a bag. Um, and we stood in the car park, and she was telling me all about these different things. And I said... Um, We'll call her Jill. I said, um, Jill, can I be very honest with you? She said, yeah. I said, you really need God in your life. I said, God doesn't want you to be lonely. He doesn't want you to be alone. He doesn't want you to be struggling with situations. God really loves you. Um, and God speaks through people. I believe he's speaking through me now to tell you that he loves you. She said, oh. She said, oh, that's, that's really good. I've never, never known that before. Cut a long story short. We eventually um, headed over to her car with her shopping, and whilst standing at the car, we pray. We, we prayed that she would receive Christ as her Lord and Saviour, and she's now going to heaven. She's been saved from darkness, and she's not going to hell anymore. So praise God.
if we can be so devoted to breaking bread that those types of things happen when we go to the shop to buy the bread and the wine to break it and share it, then I think we're on to a winner. God loves it when we're devoted to breaking bread. He wants to see signs and wonders happening around us. And just lastly, he wants us to be devoted to prayer. Devoted to prayer, which is the word when used in Acts 2. It means prayers addressed to God, but it, you know, it also means having a place of prayer. That's what the word actually means. Yeah. It's having this place set aside for prayer. Um, and it was fantastic when uh, Luke and Cindy spoke with us a few months ago now, and Luke shared about having a thin space, yeah. a place of prayer that we can have, and it's something that we've been looking at a bit further um, with the worship team. And it's been such a fruitful and, and beneficial time of just setting aside time and space just to be with God just to have no other agenda than just to, to, to love God and allow him to speak to us in a place that's set aside for him, to have this thin space where the, the veil between heaven and earth is so thin that the presence of God is, is so thick, I suppose. But that's what this word prayer means. It means to have somewhere designated to be praying to God. Um, and I would just encourage you, if you don't have a, a particular place where you know I can always go here and pray it's a really good thing to have maybe it's just your car seat as you're driving along maybe when you get in your car you know this is a this is a really good thin space for me to pray in or maybe it's um we had a couple of guys saying well I, I like to um, pray on the train carriage or I like to pray um in this particular room or this particular chair whatever it might be um have a space where you can say when I come here I expect to meet with God I expect that God's going to talk to me and I'm going to minister to him as well. And as we pray, um, I just felt prompted by the Holy Spirit that one of the key ways that we can pray at this time with these things in mind comes from Ephesians 6 and verse 18. And it says there, pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert in this with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Perseverance and intercession for all the saints. We need to pray for each other. We've got to be a people that are, are praying each other. If we're really devoted to fellowship with one another, if we really love each other in the way that we love God, then we've got to be praying for each other. We may know situations, we may not, but praying for each other is going to be such a fruitful thing for us to do. And I just wanted to give you a, a, a little story about praying. Um, I really wanted to pray for people and, and see uh, God change their situation. And I'd say that I was devoted to that. I'd say that I, I was really pursuing that. I wanted to see that. And there was a lady at uh, Special Mum Stops quite a, a while ago now. But she was in a bit of a state and she was, she was quite worried. And she had um, a child who, a little girl, and they were going to a, a meeting to talk with the important people about what care was going to be provided for her little girl um, and she was a bit all over the place with it because she was really terrible at, at speaking in front of those kinds of audiences she got all anxious and, and nervous and she was just thinking I don't know what I'm going to say and it's going to go horribly and I'm not going to get any care provided for my daughter and she was sharing all of this and um, the first thing that, that those of us who were there we were just saying look the Holy Spirit is a spirit of peace and when you give your life to Jesus, then the Holy Spirit comes to live in you and he will give you all of the peace that you need. And we'll stand here and we'll pray with you and we'll be alongside you, but the best person that can lead you through this situation is the Holy Spirit. 
and explained a bit more about what it meant to be a Christian. And she gave her life to Jesus and then had the Holy Spirit to come and live inside her. And then we prayed to the Lord who was in her and said, Holy Spirit, give this lady peace for this situation. Give her all the wisdom that she needs because you're a spirit of wisdom. You're a spirit of peace. You're our great comforter and our counselor. And so with this lady in this situation, give her all that she needs. She went away and she went to the meeting and she then uh, reported back that whilst at the meeting, she was not nervous at all. She felt, she felt thoroughly peaceful. She was able to put across very well articulated what she wanted for her child, for her daughter. And the people there decided to provide full care for her daughter and for her son, who the meeting wasn't even about. <laughs> I believe that as we're devoted to prayer, then all of the then things will happen. The then things like having favour with all people. That's what we saw in this situation. We saw favour with all people because we were devoted to prayer and we knew that Jesus Christ would answer our prayers. All of this is to say, we really, really need to be devoted to the one person who this is all about. Jesus Christ. We need to be devoted to Jesus Christ. And the best way we can do that is by the Spirit of Christ who lives in us. The Spirit of Christ in us is yearning to lead us in a life of devotion to our Lord and Saviour. He's yearning to bring us into a greater experience of the power of the Spirit outworked in our lives every day. He's yearning to see all those then, thing happens, then things happen. I think that the Holy Spirit is saying things like, oh, Chris wants to be devoted to Jesus Christ. Let's do a miracle. I think he's saying things like, what a joy, wants to be devoted to Christ. Let's do a sign and a wonder. I think he's saying things like, oh, you know, Mike's going to be devoted. He's, he's going to break bread. He's going to pray. He's going to devote himself to the word. He's going to be devoted to me. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to give him favour with all people. Yeah. We'll give him favour with all people. We'll see lots of people saved. Because if my people will devote themselves to me, by devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking bread, and to prayer, then miraculous things will happen. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.